Hey there, little jar. What if I called you grapes? Because you're in a grape jam jar. Grapes. Hmm. Did you know they sell grapes here? There's this little grocery store on my street, or alley, or I don't know. Alley, I guess, since it's just one narrow spider's leg of an endless, skyless labyrinth made out of mold and drippy concrete. But yeah, anyway, there's this little hole-in-the-wall grocery store, the one I got the yogurt from, and they have grapes. But where did they get the grapes? Did someone grow them? In hell? Where there isn't a sky or sun or dirt? Like, how? Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, how did they get yogurt? Are there cows in hell? What did the cows do? Can, can cows sin? You know, there's a shapeless void woman who owns a food cart that's on my way from the Congress to my apartment, and the sign out front says she sells real Ronald Reagan rinds. So, I guess that's a thing. I sort of hope it's fake, because that's nasty, but like, at least it makes more sense than cows and grapes, you know? Like, at least Ronald Reagan sinned. Oh, oh shoot, oh shoot. Ah, my sewing needle's going off. Okay, oh my days, oh goodness. What do I do? Is it just like a phone? Do I just have to pick it up? I can pick it up, should I just pick it up? Or, or does it just whisk me away? I'm already holding it and it's not. Oh my days. Oh goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, I feel like I'm gonna be sick. I'm gonna be sick. Oh, I'm definitely gonna be sick. Oh. Oh no. Oh shoot. I dropped you. I'm sorry. Oh. Your jar is not broken or anything. You're okay. It's okay. Oh goodness. Oh, that must have been loud though to get dropped. Sorry. Oh, I'm so happy your jar didn't crack. Oh my days, what if it had? Your soul would have oozed out all over the floor. How would I have cleaned that up? Could I have soaked you up in a rag and twisted it out over the jar? What if I hadn't got all of you and you had woken up from your dreams missing, like, your left eye and your hyper-specific love for late 90s anime or something? What if you lost the part of you that could dream? The part of you that thinks you're still alive. What if everything had gone black and quiet and tight and you weren't quite nowhere and you weren't quite nothing, but no matter how hard you focused, everything was gone? Or, oh, what if you had gotten stuck in one memory forever? What if you were driving home at night in a blizzard and you were always driving home at night in a blizzard? And you were, like, consciously aware of that, but the only part of you that was left was the part of you that was driving home in a blizzard, because I spilled the rest of you on the floor, so driving home in a blizzard was all you could be forever. You'd go crazy looking for shapes in the snow. Alright, okay, that's enough of that. I'll just be really careful with you from now on. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad I'm okay. <laughs> My days. 
anyway, apparently the needle just whisks you away. You sort of turn into dust and fly through the eye of it like the world's most nauseous piece of embroidery thread. I'm at Isaac. Remember? I was supposed to check on this guy's soul because he keeps having near-death experiences but not actually dying. His name's Isaac. He seems... nice. <laughs> was I gone for a long time? I was away for... well, time isn't real here, but... I was probably away for a couple hours. Sorry if you were sitting on the ground for that long. Oof. Yeah. Goodness. You should have seen the bit of the astral plane we landed in, though. It was wild. Like, I get there, and I'm ready to throw up. And we're in this nursery, or, like, a really spoiled kid's room, but not. It was... it was an impossible room. It was like a watercolor painting of a princess's room. Everything was soft and pale pink. There was carpet, so soft and so thick you sank into it up to your ankles. Everything was like that. Everything was huge. There was a blanket for it the size of a tent, with fairy lights hanging off of it like firefly vines, and a rocking horse the size of an actual pony, and... and a stuffed animals! There was a giraffe, and a rhino, and an octopus, and they were all almost as big as me, and so squishy you could fall into them. They were... they were... there were books, and a bookcase, and a rocking chair taller than I am, with a quilted cushion and a window that was too high up to really properly look out of, but you could see the moon. It was dark, and the only light in the room came from the flower and mushroom night lights glowing all over the place, and glow-in-the-dark green stars on the ceiling. And apparently, that's where Isaac's just been hanging out. That's the part of the astral plane he always drops into, and, and he named all the stuffed animals. I don't think he's used to company. He thought... He thought when I showed up, he sort of stared at me and was like, you're not fate. And I was like, about to throw up. You know, I was really clearly not fate. I was doubled over with my hands on my knees, staring at this pink shag carpet, positive I was going to pass out. You know, you, you know, when you're really sick and your sinuses get all gross and backed up and it makes you feel like your eyes are going to fall out. That's exactly what going through the needle felt like, except my sinuses weren't backed up because... I don't have any. I'm a demon. But in the moment, I was like 100% sure my eyes were going to fall out. And I have 17 eyes, so that would have been a big mess all over the, you know, all over the very pretty floor. So I shut all my eyes, and I was breathing real hard, but all I could think was how disgusting it would be if all my eyes fell out, and then I threw up all over them. How gross would that be, you know? And then, like, how would I get them all back into my head? Ugh. I don't know. So anyway, Isaac's like, you're not fate. And I take a breather and then I stand up like I'm supposed to be professional or something and I introduce myself like, hello, my name's Simon. I'm standing in for fate. Are you Isaac? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Which is a weird answer, you know? Who says that when someone asks their name? So at this point, I'm still a little wobbly on my feet, but my vision's straightening out, so I'm fine. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm I'm... goodness. He's taller than me, which isn't saying much. A chihuahua with good posture would be taller than me, even as a demon. But yeah, he was taller than me. And he looked like a person. A human person, not like somebody here where everyone looks like their soul or their vibes or whatever. He had... 
Isaac had deep, dark brown eyes and all this dark curly hair. He looked like a lion or like the sun, but the way a little kid would draw it was big, bold streaks of sunbeams. Yeah, he reminded me of a crayon drawing of the sun. The edges of him seemed sort of pink and blue, like his soul was bleeding out. I don't know if that's an astral plane thing or if Isaac's just like that. You know, like, even when you're alive, sometimes you meet people and you can practically feel them. It's like their body's a leaky Tupperware and their personality's dripping out of it like warm tomato soup. It's just, in the astral plane, you can see it, too, instead of just feeling it. I think, at least. And he was, I don't know, it was like he was leaking pink sunshine. Oh, and his voice was kind of androgynous, like mine. He said, it's like that in the astral plane, so that made me feel better. And then we just, uh, we sort of talked. I think he was disappointed that wasn't fate. I'm not sure why fate's an inhuman goliath with pink knitting needles big enough to kebab people, but I also don't think he hated me. I told him about you. We talked a lot. He, uh, he helped me come up with a story for you. I had thought of one. It was, it was about an owl. I was going to tell you before I got whisked away, but I'll tell you that one next time. Maybe I'll have time to come up with a new ending. The original one was kind of a downer. But yeah, I told Isaac about you, and he thought it would be fun to help with a story. And he loves music, and he loves the song about coffee. A man travels the whole world desperate to find the perfect milk to give to a lady, only to discover she takes her coffee black. And the man wasted all of his time. Isaac, yeah. He was really funny, actually. When I first showed up, he was like, you're not fate. And I asked him his name and all that. And then we got to talking for a little bit and I asked him how he died, which seemed sort of rude, but you know. I'm nosy by nature. And I figured that I was literally a demon with big curly horns and 17 eyes standing in for the Grim Reaper. So like, screw it, you know? I was like, how'd you almost die this time? And he, he laughed and he said, oh, massive heroin overdose. You know how it is. And I laughed and I was like, what actually happened? And he kind of paused, and he said, can't you see everything about me? So apparently, apparently fate told him that she can see the literal strings of fate that bind people to places and to each other. Isn't that the coolest? Like, I mean, she's terrifying, but the strings sound cool. I'm kind of glad the strings of fate are a real thing, actually. It's comforting to think that there are literal strings that tie us all to each other. Yeah. So when she showed up to check on Isaac, she already knew what was going on, and he said she gave him advice and stuff. Maybe that's why he misses her. Anyway, I told Isaac I couldn't see the strings of fate because I'm just some random guy that got sacrificed to a devil, and then I ended up venting a little about getting murdered and pushed into volunteering for fate and how Surrender hates me now and all that. I don't want to be boring or, like, exhausting to be around so as a rule i try not to vent at people but oh <laughs> sorry it's just been yeah i mean we're in hell it's been hell you shouldn't i should just tell you the story have you ever listened very closely to a frog they wail and chirp and slap themselves around like prideful boogers but have you ever really listened to them? They're singing, and their songs always mean something. Mostly their love stories. <laughs>
tragic ones. So if you stayed up very late and sat with your eyes closed, with your head next to an open window, you might start to hear music blowing past your little quiet nowhere. It would be music made of strings and bold voices, and if you focus on the voices, you might start to hear lyrics. And then, if you pay close attention, you'll hear the story the lyrics tell. This is a story the frogs sing during the hottest part of the summer, when the air hangs heavy with fireflies and butterflies and little, fluttery moths. This story starts with a grave. A grave that a frog with a bottle cap crown often sat on. The grave was all on its own, and watched over a little cavern kept wet by a shallow river and kept dim and muggy by a thick overhang of trees. The gravestone cast a shadow, and that shadow was as young as the noonday sun that created her, but it didn't matter because she was deeply, honestly in love. She was in love with a moth. The moth loved her too recklessly, and of course the shadow and the moth weren't supposed to be in love. Moths like shiny, bright things, and shadows aren't supposed to be alive. They're not supposed to be vain and vapid, or have a laugh that sounds like a wind chime made of tin cans. And most moths did not wear little hats, most moths did not carry an umbrella, and most moths did not have a perfectly realistic pattern of human eyes on their wings. But this moth did. The shadow thought she was a beautiful moth, and the moth, equally as young, hours old, born of the same cool and early sun as the shadow, well, the moth would do anything for her lover. So the moth listened closely when the shadow said she wanted a gift. Basking in the muddy noonday darkness with the moth, she said, I wish I had some light all my own. I wish I had a little sun set right next to my grave to make my darkness deeper to make me last all night, to let me survive the dark without getting swallowed by it. And the moth sat right up. I'll get you a little light, she said. The shadow was flabbergasted, really? And the moth looked her deep in the eyes. Of course, darling, I would do anything for you. So the moth kissed the shadow, tightened her hat, and flew out into the sunshine. The moth flew and flew, out of the swampy field and over the circles of houses near it, Houses made of wood and tin sinking and being slowly swallowed by mud. The whole world was a flurry of colorful motion, but there wasn't any little light. She went around. She went around again. She ran around again and again until her wings ached and the sun was setting, and still there was no light besides the sun. She landed on a mossy rock and sighed. <sighs> it just so happened that a frog had been watching her. And not just any frog. The queen of the frogs. There is, after all, a reason that frogs sing this story during the hottest part of the summer, when there are so many moths that their little wings could push the stars right out of the sky. The queen watched the moth lower her wings and begin to cry. Oh, cried the moth. Oh, I can't do it. There is no light but the sun. But there is, croaked the frog. Oh, said the moth, oh dear, are you going to eat me? The frog queen frowned and adjusted her bottle cap crown. No, she said. I'm watching my sodium content, and tears are just so salty. Oh, said the moth. The frog croaked, the light though, 
I have a light just like the one you seek, hanging in my palace. If you can get it down, I'll trade you for it. All right, chirped the moth. I'm very strong, and I'm sure I can manage to move it. The moth started beating her wings, and she beat them so hard that she didn't notice the frog's clever smile. The frog queen led the little moth with beautiful wings to her palace. It was an extravagant puddle of a pond near a rotting wooden porch, attached to a rotting wooden house, with a rotting wooden beam holding up a cracked glass porch light. There's the light, the frog queen pointed at the porch light. Oh, that's perfect, sighed the moth. It's just like the moon. Yes, yes, of course, waved the queen. She was surrounded by her court now, frogs of all types, dukes and duchesses with colorful ruffs, little frogs with jester hats and tutus, and several with huge, fuzzy lion manes made out of shredded scrunchies wrapped around their heads. The moth fluttered right up to the light. It was so warm. Hold up, commanded the queen, and the moth fluttered back down to her. I said I'd trade you for it said the frog queen. You see, I know the shadow. You do? Oh, of course I do, and I know how badly she needs this light. And I knew she would eventually send you to get it for her. You did? The frog queen laughed. Ha, 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 of course. And there's something you have that I want. My hat? asked the moth. What? Child, no. I want your wings. My crown is a rusty bottle cap, but your wings. If it were adorned with your wings, ones that look just like human eyes, well, I'd be powerful. I'd be respected. The hawks would stop diving at me and trying to eat my people. Oh, said the moth. She could hear cicadas start singing in the distance. Did the shadow... my shadow... did she know? Did she try to trade me on purpose? The frog queen laughed. No. She just needs a light. She's just, well, she makes bad decisions, doesn't she? A little vapid. A little vain. She wants the light so bad that she's easy to manipulate. Oh. So will you not trade me your wings? Will you leave your shadow to be swallowed by the dark? The moth fluttered her wings thoughtfully. I'll forgive the shadow, said the moth, since she didn't mean it. You'll give me your wings. Anything for my shadow. You're not angry? Well... The moth nervously fluttered her wings. I don't need my wings, and... And the shadow didn't mean it. The little duke and duchess frogs croaked at that, in a way that almost sounded like clapping. The queen of the frogs threw up her hands. Yes, everyone clap for the brave little moth. She's going to save her shadow. The croaking went on. And then the queen of the frogs ripped off the moth's beautiful wings and stuck them on her crown. It hurt. Of course it hurt, but the moth kept thinking of her shadow. She kept looking toward the light. The shadow hadn't meant to hurt her, not really. Sometimes people betray each other by accident, just by existing, just by talking, just by being themselves, and the moth could forgive that. 
She saw her wings up in the frog's crown and shivered. The queen waved her away. Go. Go get the light. Oh, okay, breathed the moth. Okay, okay, okay. And she tightened her hat and she started to walk. She had never walked far before, but she was a determined moth with sticky little feet, and she climbed all the way up the rotting beam to the beautiful, glowing light. It really was just like the moon. The moth thought she could hear the frogs below her croaking. For a moment she thought it was applause, but it was laughter. And she knew it was laughter, but she didn't care. She was going to get her light. And then the moth took one step forward, and then another. She wondered if the moon was this warm. She could almost touch it. She reached out her little hands, ready to grab and haul and pull, and took the final step forward into the pearly glow. For a minute, everything was heat and light. For a minute, she was sure she was holding the sky. And then something flashed, something singed and snapped, and the air went as thick and dark as hot coffee. The last thing she felt was the hazy night wind rushing past her. Maybe if the moth had gotten help... Maybe if she had still had her wings, maybe if there had been lots of little lights, like stars, that she could have gathered one by one, like scavenging for shattered glass. But she was dead before she hit the ground. She had a little spirit, though. Her body was dead, but she was a little ghost. A little spark. A little flying shine. But not a bright enough glow to save her shadow. Not enough body to save herself. For a moment... She hung in the air and watched the frogs laugh and praise their queen's beauty and intelligence. But then the moth realized that the sun had not quite set yet. It was so dark, but not deeply dark. Not hopelessly dark, she could still see her shadow. There was enough light to apologize, to say goodbye, to explain. She rushed. She did not flap. She did not fly. She flickered and floated down into the dark grove of trees to the little grave. Shadow? yelled the moth. Oh, my shadow! My love, I'm sorry I've died. I'm dead, my darling. But I've come to say goodbye. But the shadow was nowhere to be found. The moth looked everywhere. She flicked in little circles over the grave until she gave up and settled right on top of it where the queen of the frogs used to sit. She cried. She was dead, and her shadow had left her. She didn't realize that the grove was too thickly shrouded by trees for the remaining sunbeams to break through. She didn't realize that her shadow had already been extinguished by the night. So she sat, properly betrayed. Her shadow was properly gone, had properly left her. And the little moss cried because she loved her anyway. She loved her shadow after all of it. Every summer the frogs chirp out this little song as a reminder to never fall deeply and earnestly in love. The End I'd like to think that that's not the end. I mean, I hope the moth cried and cried until the sun came up and then the shadow comes back or something. I don't know. Isaac and I came up with it together and he said he's been in the mood for some doomed love stories. I guess I didn't finish my story from earlier. Isaac told me what really happened. How he really keeps dying. He told me he was cursed to almost die over and over. But to never really die. And he's had all this crazy stuff happen to him. He said one time a car drove through his apartment wall and almost hit him and that he works at a fast food place called Baloney Barn and the walls and ceiling collapsed. And this time he said he got a Slurpee from a gas station near his house and and he laughed. He said he was sitting out back having a smoke and the Slurpee tasted weird so he went back in to ask about it and the attendant, 
like a ton of management people were there and the attendant was there and she was freaking out and it turned out the drink had antifreeze in it like by accident and he didn't notice because you know antifreeze tastes sweet he he thought he was probably in the hospital he said he's cursed but he's not sure what he did to get cursed or how to break it i don't know he looked kind of sad for a minute but he's just such a happy person he said he said he could hear the music playing at the hospital and he had this big smile and said it was one of his favorite songs and he asked me if i could hear it and i said no because i couldn't and then he grabbed my hands and told me to close my eyes and listen and and I could hear it through him. It was the song we based the story on, the song about coffee. It's called She Always Takes It Black by Gregory something. It was a good song. And after it ended, we kept holding hands just for a minute. Hmm. I still don't know how to sleep. At this point, I don't think I'm supposed to. And I don't have any money. But I'm going to go ask the grocery store clerk how money works because I want more yogurt. I can... I can have yogurt. Yogurt's good for you. Even if it comes from sinful cows, I guess. Good night, grapes. Enjoy your dreams.